You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast, bringing you news and opinion about surf culture, characters, coaching and competition from the team at the Surf Simply Coaching Resort. Find us on facebook.com slash surfing or at surfsimply.com. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Surf Simply podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 17th of December, 2014. And with me today is Rue Hill. Hello. And my name is Harry Knight. If you are looking still for the Surf Simply tutorials, they can be found now not only on YouTube, but also on their own separate podcast on iTunes. If you type Surf Simply into the search bar on either of those websites, you should be able to find the old video tutorials. So we've been getting a lot of emails into Surf Simply with people asking when we're going to put the new video tutorials up. Yeah, I'm sure. And I am aware that the ones that are up there are a bit old. Uh, they were a couple of years old now but we do have some new ones scripted and ready to go there's one on judging and objectively evaluating surfing there's one on hand positions when you're doing forehand top turns we've got one on like the psychology of surfing and dealing with the frustration that inevitably comes with it we've got one on duck diving on riding a smaller board we've got a functional stance kind of overview one you got a lot going on we've got loads of them all I've got to do is um, film them edit them and then put them up online. Oh, well, you've done all the heavy lifting then. Yes, I've basically got everything to do. Uh, <laughs> but they are, they are going to be coming up anyway, I promise. Fantastic. So um, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, this week I've had a lot of fun riding our friend Ross and Alice's old green egg single fin. Yeah. Uh, the surf's been kind of waist shoulder high and it's mm-hmm. been offshore. We've had those strong Guanacaste offshore winds blowing all week. Yeah. So I've had a lot of fun kind of in my mind feeling like I'm Rob Machado and like closing my stance <laughs> up and just cruising down the line and doing floaters. Yeah. Um, but I just can't do cutbacks on that board. I don't know. I've seen you do some nice ones, but it, it's, a, it's a pretty flat board, isn't it? There's not a lot of rocker. So. I've also been having a lot of fun with the new GoPro 4. Mm-hmm. If anyone out there is thinking about buying a GoPro 4, and I think we should do more on, on a bit of surf photography in another episode, but anyone who's thinking about buying it, it, the really good thing about the 4 over the 3 is that it does record at 120 frames a second, so you can get that really nice super slow-mo. And I, I was out body surfing at sunrise at the shore break near Surf Simply yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And I got some really beautiful images inside the barrel. I mean, not the kind of Clark Little images, but pretty close. No, you showed me on the phone, though. I mean, there were some pretty stunning shots. Yeah, I was pretty stoked with them. I've had a little frustrating week. My, uh, my ankle that I injured a couple of months ago is uh, re- retweaked walking up the stairs the other day. You are too old for skateboarding. Yeah, okay, that's possibly true, but this retweak was nothing to do with skateboarding, this was walking up the stairs, but um, I then... You're too old for walking up stairs, you should get one of those lifts that takes you up (laughs) the road. that'd be amazing, I'd love one of them. Um, But so yeah, I've been out of the water. But, yeah, um, I think uh, I I, I just, I worry, you're like, you're a big, the listeners, so Harry is like a big, big guy, and uh, when he falls off a skateboard, he comes down pretty hard. So there's been a ton happening this week in the world of surfing, or more specifically on the North Shore of Oahu. Let me give you listeners the rundown on what's been going on on the North Shore. So obviously we've had the Pipe Masters kick off, and it's a big deal because it's going to decide whether Gabriel Medina, Mick Fanning or Kenny Slater is going to take the title for this year. The event hasn't finished at the time of recording. We've just finished round two, so at the moment the event's on hold and we're about to go into round three. But I just want to rewind in time back to last week when they had the Pipe Invitational trials. There was a couple of interesting talking points there. Yeah, the the Invitational itself was kind of an interesting event, wasn't it? Because it's the replacement for them sticking, what what did they used to have, like eight or nine um, wild cards into the Pipe Masters? 
And then Eddie Rothman made a, that video which he put online saying that he was very upset that there weren't more spots for Hawaiians. Well, and so the, the, that was in response to the ASP dropping the number of wildcard spots down from the, the eight or nine, whatever it was, down to the standard two. Um, and he got pretty upset about that. And am I right in thinking that the reason that they did that was because they were trying to not have the dual heat format? That's what they said. And I, I think as well it was quite disruptive to you know, who was surfing against who that you would come into the main event that very often decides the world champion. And there's a, you know, a, a lot of wild cards coming in and really messing with the format and who's surfing against who. I think this was a really smart compromise, actually, having the uh, Pipe Invitational Trials event. I well, think I think that... it's fantastic because you've got a whole bunch of guys who are very, very good at reading the lineup at Pipe and, and getting good waves, but maybe are not the best competitive surfers because a lot of times the wild cards never did that well in the in the, the main event anyway because they weren't great but they were good at reading pipe but they weren't great competitors yeah I mean you saw a lot of those guys sitting out the back uh, like Garrett McNamara I remember last year and I mean obviously he's an amazing surfer and he was out there on a really big board and he was sitting out there clearly thinking in his head look I'm waiting for a big pipe bomb and if one doesn't come then I'm not going to catch a wave yeah meanwhile John John's scratching around on the inside just building his house and putting his scores together exactly and and you know advances with a pair of fives yeah, I mean, it's cool to see. I like seeing those guys out there, and I think this format worked really well. I think it's a really good, productive way for the ASP to respond to some of the aggression that they got from Eddie Rothman. I, I saw an interview with Dave Prodden and, uh, from the ASP, yeah, and Dave Prodden gave a, just such a diplomatic response to Eddie yeah. Rothman's video, which was essentially <laughs> like threatening to beat people up. And he was like, well, it's all part of our ongoing conversation with the locals in all areas of surfing. It's a conversation where we develop our program. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, it was just so brilliantly well scripted and nice and calm. Yeah. It was good. Um, some good waves. Yeah, they had really, really good waves, which was always a cool thing to see. Pipe is actually my favourite event to watch. I mean, Chopu this year was obviously spectacular. Mm -hmm. But I like watching Pipe because, I mean, not to take anything away from Chopu, but Pipe is wilder. You know, that takeoff mm -hmm. zone is a lot bigger. It's a lot harder to know what's going to happen. And yeah. there's left and there's rights and there's the, the, the second reef ones and the first reef ones. Because you've surfed both places now, haven't you? Well, I've sat out at both places when there's <laughs> waves coming in. <laughs> I've caught a few waves out there and realised how far beyond me both of those places are. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to going back and surfing Chopu again as a regular thing. I, mm -hmm. Pipe, I think not. Yeah, I was sit on, sat on the beach one day and I, when a big swell was coming in and I just, I wanted no part of that at all. Yeah. So there was another bit of drama as well with Bruce Irons being upset that he wasn't wildcarded into the main event. Um, he actually wrote on Instagram, I won't read the whole thing, but he basically voiced his opinion that he would he had lost respect for Billabong and that he thought that it was disgraceful that uh, Andy Irons, his brother, had um, made so much money moving product for Billabong and that the Pipe Masters was called the Pipe Masters in loving memory of Andy Irons and yeah. that Bruce Irons didn't get a wild card into it. Yeah, I mean, I can sort of see where he's coming from. I always think it sounds a little bit churlish when someone feels like they're entitled to something just because of their birthright. Yeah. Having said that, I think in this case, there is a little bit more legitimacy to it. And I suppose Bruce Irons is legitimately one of the guys you want to see out at Pipe. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, off his own merit. So how did they decide? Because, I mean, off his own merit, I would, I would have thought Bruce Irons would have made it into the tour. So how, how did they actually decide who went into this event? Well, so that's a good point. The thing is, Bruce Irons did actually have the chance to be in the event because the way that the Pipe Invitational trials were set up was that 
the top 16 finishes at last year's Volcom Pipe Pro, which you'll remember Kelly won. And if yep. you haven't seen the finals of that, you should watch it on YouTube, listeners, because it is amazing. That's the, the Volcom. The Volcom Pipe Pro from yep. the beginning of, was it the beginning of this it's year? Jan- like, January, yeah. Yeah, January 2014. Uh, so it was those 16 top finishes, and then the top five ranked Hawaiian surfers after the World Cup of Surfing. So that was the one that was last week. Yep. Uh, then the top five Hawaiians from the regional Hawaiian tour as well. And then yeah. there was also six sponsored, uh, sorry, six wildcard spots, four for Billabong and two for Vans. So right, Billabong okay. could have put Bruce in under one of those spots, so could Vans. But um, they've obviously got a, a desire to put their own, uh, their own riders in, which is presumably then how Jack Robinson ended up as the only non-Hawaiian in the event. Can you imagine being little Jack Robinson, 16-year-old Australian in an invitational event at Pipe Masters with all Hawaiians out there? And an event that quite clearly was set up to appease the slightly heavy North Shore locals. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall as Jack Robinson just tottered <laughs> past Eddie Rothman on the beach. Like, all right, mate, and then just paddle out. That'd be brilliant. Um, to be fair, I don't think anyone would doubt Jack Robinson's right to be there. The first wave that he took off on was just an absolute bomb. Yeah, I mean, and he was charging at Chopa as well. I mean, he's, he's someone to watch. So has he now switched to Billabong then? Because uh, he was a Quicksilver rider, wasn't he? Did he get lost in the, uh, the great cull? I don't know, actually. Because yeah, he was I in the Young Guns videos. No, no, he was in the moments, moments one and moments two, I think. So anyway, yeah, Bruce didn't get in. I mean, he could have got in by competing on the Hawaiian circuit or by entering the Triple Crown and just getting in on merit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would have been fun to see him in the Invitational. He, he wrote his rather angry post on Instagram and he took it down. So I think he probably feels yeah. that, you know, it's not quite such a black and white thing. Who knows? The drama on the North Shore. I always feel like a lot. I feel like there's a lot of drama that happens there under the surface, and then the surf media come along and sort of go, "What's going on here?" And it's like when a teacher enters a classroom where kids yeah, have nothing, been naughty. Nothing, nothing, yeah, nothing, and everyone's like, nothing, "No, nothing. We're all fine. So. We're all getting on." <laughs> Just another thing I wanted to mention was uh, Joe Centio's ten-point ride at Backdoor. He's That's... the Arnett team manager, so you know he's he's really looking after other competitive surfers. Mm-hmm. And then he went out there and he just took off on this mutant kind of wedge it almost looked like a wedge that just that came up as a teepee and he backdoored this this square thing and went right anyway it's a brilliant wave they used a, the four-man priority rule as well didn't they yeah, which is a, a little bit experimental but yeah so how, how did that work it, it's slightly weird it, it's a variation on the three-man priority that they now use in all of the round one and round four heats uh, in the asp so when they paddle out there is no priority it's person in the best position has priority paddles in they immediately then go to bottom priority so in a four-man heat they would paddle out all the other three have equal first priority and the person that's caught a wave is bottom priority the next person then goes in below them the next person below them the next person below them so eventually once all four people have caught a wave you've then got a rotating one two three four priority yeah that's kind of interesting and that seemed that seemed to work pretty well it does seem to work very well, although I did notice there were a lot of interference calls. E- even, you know, right into the semi-finals, I think there were two interferences. Well, what happens when there's two of you that don't have priority and you're both paddling for the same wave? But you've still got a um, person with second priority has priority over third and fourth priority. I guess the real trick is that the commentator is making everything nice and clear to the guys in the water. Yeah, I'm not sure how they display it because certainly when it's when it's a two man priority, it's nice and easy. They have that that sort of red and yellow disc that they spin back and forth as to who who 
is currently holding priority, but I don't know how that works. Do you have a spinning Rubik's Cube with four people? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be paddling for a wave at pipe and then seeing a yellow and a red vest also paddling and then trying to remember whether they were second and three or whether they were second and four and I was three or was one of them two. Yeah, I think, did you see the, the tour notes video with all the, um, with all the guys giving their, their, their advice for, for riding pipe? Um, I haven't seen that one, but I do think those tour notes videos that Hurley's been putting out are really good. I think they're fantastic. But yeah, it was it was a whole bunch of guys giving their advice, and and one of the things that that was in there was just commit, put your head down, like no second thoughts. So I I, I suspect that's probably why there are a few interference calls. So we got to the finals, and the the finals of the Invitational were Jamie O'Brien, Reef McIntosh, Hank Gaskell, and Makia McNamara. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see Jamie O'Brien go into the main event. I mean, he's just yeah. such an entertaining guy to watch out at Pipe, and you never know what he's going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. He just doesn't look like he's taking it seriously. I'm, I'm a big Jamie O'Brien fan. I think that <laughs> the way he surfs and the things he does just kind of reminds everyone else not to take themselves too seriously either, which I think is... Uh, yeah. Is a good thing. Uh, you know, it got to three minutes to the end of the final, and Jamie only needed a five eight seven. Um, this kind of set came through, and he didn't go. Yeah, well, I mean, interestingly, when it finished, the the three guys, Reef, uh, Mackay, and Jamie, all had twelve point totals. It was uh, twelve point six, twelve point one, and twelve dead for the three of them. So it was it was really quite close. Uh, so. The other two things that were running at Pipe alongside the Invitational was the women's exhibition heats, mm-hmm. which was uh, Bethany Hamilton, Carissa Moore, Tyler Wright, and Steph Gilmore. I was super excited about this. Yeah, I thought it was cool. All of those guys I really wanted to see out there. And mm-hmm. what did you think of Bethany Hamilton's performance? Oh, it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? You, you, you hear how difficult it is. You hear professional surfers saying how difficult it is to surf Pipeline as a fit and able and very talented individuals. And then you see her going out, you know, one arm down. Um, and, and, you know, quite a slender girl anyway. And she threw herself into some bombs. Yeah, so she took off on four big bombs that were closeouts. And I, I, I think certainly on a couple of them, she must have had a pretty good idea that they were unmakeable. And I wonder whether she was going out there just going, look, I want to show people what I can do and legitimise myself out at Pipeline for future sessions. Because you always hear a lot of the Pipe locals saying, you know, they want to see people out there, they want to see them charging into a few closeouts to show they can take the beatings to give themselves a bit of legitimacy in the lineup. And I wonder if she thought, look, even if I don't win this heat, I want to show people how hard you can charge out here. And I, for one, was just... I'm always a big fan of people charging into closeouts. I think it just should be a sport (laughs) in its own right. It's pretty much what you do on a daily basis. (laughs) And... um, yeah, I mean, I just, I thought it was, I mean, for, for, for any of our listeners who don't know, Bethany Hamilton lost an arm in a shark attack when she was uh, about 12 or 13, I think. So I don't know how she was paddling into those waves with one arm kicking with both feet pretty hard. I think she has like a handle on the front of her board that she uses to help with duck diving and popping up, but just amazing. Uh, Tyler Wright as well. Just a fantastic performance. Carissa Moore actually won the heat in the end. Steph Gilmore didn't manage to get any epic waves, but uh, she was just looking cruisy and elegant out there as always. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool heat to watch. It was a little slow in terms of makeable barrels. I thought one of the uh, one of the slightly unfortunate things there was they, you know, it got to the point where the men's wasn't really going that well, and that was when they chose to send the women out in. You know, having already, it's already a hard wave to surf, and they waited until it was too difficult for the men's to really be contestable, and then sent the girls out to get smashed. And I thought that was 
a little unfortunate. I, I, I just thought it was a little unfair. And they then, you know, the heritage event came round and the, the conditions cleaned up and it got okay again. And I, I don't think that was a deliberate, um, you know, play. But I did think it was a shame, you know, if you're going to, you've got the whole waiting period to send one heat out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always kind of tough, isn't it? I mean, what are they going to do? Wait until the surf's perfect and then not run the actual event. I mean, it's... Well, you but, want everyone to have good waves, ultimately. It's always going to be pretty tricky. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel it, 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 if it's getting to the point where it's barely contestable, then why send out an exhibition heat? Yeah, so after the women's heat, the men's heritage heat paddled out. I quite like this heritage series. They had Tommy Carroll, Sonny Garcia, Gary Ockton and Derek Ho out there, and mm-hmm. the waves did get good. Tommy Carroll was riding a really cool board. It was a... It was like a 7-8 big pink uh, replica of the board that he won on. Uh, well, he won Pipe in 87, 1991, and it was one of those years. It was, it was that board. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it, it was almost like going straight back in history, wasn't it? It was a replica board. He was out there in his helmet, short shorts, yeah. and just charging. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. And remind me of when he did that big snap at it, Pipe, as well. Yeah, that was, was cool. Fantastic. I mean, he, he dominated that heat, didn't he? I mean, I think his backup wave was higher than the next highest scoring wave from any of the other riders. One thing I really like about watching guys surf pipe on those bigger boards uh, is that they kind of catch them a little bit earlier when they're kind of feathering just around second reef. And then they go straight to the bottom and do this big faded bottom turn and then hook up under it as it hits first reef and folds over for the barrel. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you see happen so much now. Mick did it last year when he got that score against Yadin Nickel. Yeah, that beautiful rolling. But I remember watching surf videos when I was younger and, and part of what really got me into surfing was just that one specific thing. I remember seeing people do these big faded bottom turns at pipe and just thinking that looks so awesome. So it was nice seeing these guys out on, on bigger boards. Um, I've really enjoyed the Heritage Series so far. They had the one at J-Bay where Oki was against Curran and they had one at Lower Trestles where uh, Martin Potter was a Brent against Brad Gerlach. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, who, who else would you like to see in a heritage heat? I've got a bit of an idea. Yeah, what's okay. yours? All right, so what I'd like to see is one out at Pipe, and it's uh, Slater, Machado, and Shane Dorian, but they're all riding like seven sixes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like a nice level seven playing. Seven sixes with ridiculous yeah. rockers. So they're, so they're just doing these like second reef roll-ins and big faded bottom turns. None of this uh, like hocking themselves over the ledge of first reef like they do nowadays. I think it'd be fun to get some of the old Australian guys and send them out at, uh, at Snapper one year. Rabbit. Ra- Rabbit, Mark Richards, Ian, Ian Cairns. Pete Townsend. Yeah, that would be uh, pretty cool. That would be a cool heat because those guys are still all surfing well. I think the lesson we can take away from that day at Pipe, though, is if you're a small man in big waves, you need a big board and uh, even better, make it pink. You're listening to the Surf Simply podcast. So earlier this week, the surfer poll took place. Uh, I mentioned that in the last episode. And on Saturday evening, uh, everyone gathered together at the Turtle Bay Resort on the North Shore. And... The various awards were handed out to various people. Um, there were a few, a few interesting events, a few interesting speeches. The, uh, the whole event was hosted by uh, Jerry Lopez and Mark Okalupu. Uh, I think uh, Oki getting just steadily more and more pissed as oh, the evening went on. Amazing. It was so good because he started... I mean, Oki's a great character anyway. He's one of the great characters in surfing and to have him out there and talking was always going to be good. But just 
progressively drunker and drunker and drunker until he was leaning on Jerry Lopez's shoulder telling him how much he loved him. I'm going to, can I play this little clip where, and, and listeners, when you're listening to this, you have to just listen for how Oki accidentally says that he's in love with Jerry Lopez. And also bear in mind that Jerry Lopez is standing up quite straight in front of the mic and Oki is leaning towards him with his face only a few inches from Jerry Lopez's. <laughs> Yeah, so Jerry, it's such an honour to be up here with you. I mean, I've learned and seen you surf pipeline for so many years, and um, we're privileged to give the first and second place surfer pole. I know Kelly's here, I know John John's here, and I remember last year, like Kelly said, that John John will be the next best surfer to ever like ride waves. You did say that. You didn't say that. Well, they told me to say that. That was in the script right there. <laughs> They're bad writers, eh? <laughs> I don't know where John John is. He's got to be close. But um, I know it's between you two. And I don't know. I know you've won it like umpteen times. And um, can you win it again? Can he win it again? Can he, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was uh... It was fantastic. So, um, John John won, ousted Kelly. Uh, Kelly's basically won it consistently ever since he came on the scene, uh, apart from a couple of years with Andy Irons, and uh, John John overtook him this year. I like that John John said in his speech, so Kelly's won this 22 times, that's how old I am. Yeah, <laughs> they actually had, there was some quite good banter between them. Um, I, I quite enjoyed their little back and forth with each other. The big bit of news in this event was Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La winning movie of the year. Uh, Joe G, who does all the Globe movies over the last few years, he came up to collect the award. But when he came up, about half of the Globe team came up with him and uh, proceeded they, they, to uh, take over a little bit. Yeah, they were. I think they were pretty drunk, weren't they? Yeah, and in and particular, Dion Agius and uh, Noah Dean managed to grab hold of the mics and get a little controversial, I think. Have, have you got that to play? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is what happened. The winner of Film of the Year is Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La. Cut the live telecast no. right now. Last time I was here, I was on Xanax, and I was so out of my mind. I couldn't talk. I'm sorry. I was, like, swearing and shit. It was heavy. You just did. But... You just sweared again. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, come on! No. <laughs> uh, f*** the WSL. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, you mother No, we no, love the WSL. Thank you so much, everyone, for voting for this. This is amazing. Joe does a, such an amazing job, and we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good night. That's one way to make an acceptance yeah. speech. <laughs> I guess Noah Dean, not a big fan of the WSL, reading in between the lines. I, 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 I'm not sure where you're getting that view from. <laughs> So yeah, they um, they quite quickly retracted what they'd said the next day. There, there were some uh, officially scripted apologies that, that I assume ran through the uh, Globe marketing and PR department. But I love it whenever any sportsman says something it's totally inappropriate, and then they publish an official retraction and apology. Yeah, and you can just see from the way it's written that. They had a lot of help putting it together. Yeah, and and it, it, actually, when you boil it down, their apology is. We were drunk. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, the whole, you say it was the big news. I mean, it certainly yeah. was the thing of the surfer poll that caught the most attention. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, really, it's a lot of people in the surf media who want to make a big fuss out of it. 
And yeah, that's true. People getting on their high horse, absolutely outraged that a surfer could put across an image that's uh, anything less than squeaky clean. In Noah Dean's um, sort of post that he put up about it later, mm-hmm. he said what he was trying to say was that, I'll quote him, my only goal was to raise the point of surfing not becoming a corporate sport like football, but I can see and acknowledge how I came across, and I am sorry. So I don't agree with that. I think I'd like to see surfing put across as legitimate sport. But, you know, I understand that not everyone agrees with me, and I understand that he doesn't agree with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just that the, I think the whole surf media, like the media in general, just decided that they were going to make a really big thing out of it and condemn these two guys. I was always a big Dion Agius fan, and I suddenly realised after hearing him on stage at the Surfer Poll that I'd never heard him speak before. <laughs> and now, now that I'd actually heard him just articulate a few sentences... I'm just not such a big Dion Agius fan. No, I think this is the thing. Whatever their opinions are, there are ways and means of voicing that. And just shouting obscenities into the mic, like that. it's taken us, what, 20 years, 30 years now to get rid of the Jeff Spicoli image? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I basically work professionally in an area where we're surf coaching and we're trying to move away from that image that Absolutely. those guys put across. So, I mean, I didn't... I didn't I wasn't a big fan of what they did, but uh, but equally, you know, I don't think they should be condemned quite as harshly as some of the outraged surf media have sort of portrayed them. No, possibly not. Um, and, and I do think that Strange Rumblings is a fantastic movie. Beautifully shot, beautifully edited surfing. Some of the best footage of Greenbush that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Really, really good film. No, I, th- I think it very well deserved its uh, award. All of the little bits in between, I couldn't quite work out whether the film is sort of taking the piss out of itself or taking itself seriously. It's kind of like a mix between Life Aquatic and The Endless Summer too. He's got that like deadpan voice over the top. Yeah, it's, it's, it almost sounds like a Thomas Campbell movie, doesn't it? I, I think based on the onstage presence of that bloke team... I suspect that they were taking the piss a little bit. I think that they were. I think that they must have been. (laughs) Um, Just one interesting one. Again, going back, we mentioned John John Austin Kelly. There was an interesting prediction made by Bruce Irons before the event. that uh, What was that? So he he said that John John's going to get it because this is a surfer poll. Oh, yeah, he did say that. And if you open Surfer magazine, what do you get? Big double-page Hurley spread. Kelly's not with Quicksilver anymore. John John's getting it. Yeah, that's interesting. Which is interesting in that it then played out. I don't know. I mean, theoretically, it's meant to be an audience vote. Yeah, I mean, that could be a bit of confirmation bias, you know. I mean, that could have been one of those comments where everyone would have forgotten if he if it didn't happen. Oh, absolutely. Maybe. Absolutely. So, yeah, just to give you the final rundown with the men's, it was John John Florence first, Kelly Slater, Gabriel Medina, Mick Fanning, Geordie Smith, Dane Reynolds, Joel Parkinson, Julian Wilson, Kolohe and Dino, and Taj Burrow. Nice to see Dane still uh, mixing it up there. Yeah, rather a plain acceptance speech by his uh, earlier standards, but yeah. it wasn't bad. Well, I feel like the strange rumbling guys gave us enough uh, yeah, comedy for one evening, so that was, that was all right. Uh, Koa Smith got best barrel at Skeleton Bay, which was just ridiculous. That thing was the barrel was so man. long that, you know how they have the little videos before each award gets given out where they show, you know, yeah. these are the nominations and this is the winner. And they were showing nominations for best barrel. And Koa Smith's barrel was about four times as long as all of the other barrels put together. It's just going on and on and on. I mean, it was like, do you remember that that strange uh, section at the end of Crystal Voyager, George Greeno's movie, where he had uh, Pink Floyd playing to to endless barrels? But that was in slow-mo. This was in real speed. It was still longer. I know. It was amazing, wasn't it? So we then also had the women's. Steph Gilmore won it. Sally Fitzgibbon second. Carissa Moore. 
Coco Ho and Alana Blanchard, and I feel particularly off the back of her performance at Pipeline. Yeah, where's I mean, Tyler Wright? I don't know why. I don't. There's something broken in the system there that Tyler Wright isn't. I mean, we've talked about it being just really bizarre that Alana Blanchard is the most followed surfer in the world on social media, even way ahead of Kelly Slater. Not like a bit ahead, yeah. but way ahead, which I just find baffling. I mean, nothing against Alana Blanchard. You know, she's a pretty girl. She surfs pretty well, but. I mean, she doesn't surf that well. And if you're following her because she's a model, there are other models other that, you know. Yeah, I, I just think it's awful that Tyler Wright wasn't in there. I think she's such an amazing surfer. And she's so cool as well, you know. In all those yeah. interviews, she always kind of comes across really funny, doesn't take herself too seriously. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a, a poor reflection on the surfing community. I think surfing it, community out there, you should... Uh, be gently ashamed of yourself. Yeah, you should go and stand in the corner quietly and look at the wall and think about what you've done. So we've kind of waffled on a bit and we're nearly out of time, but I do want to quickly talk about some of the amazing big wave surfing that has also gone on this week. Yeah, uh, last episode I forecast a little bit of swell coming down through and, and that Morocco might be a good place to go visit, but the swell turned out to be a little bigger than that. Yeah, so they had the first big wave world tour, the BWWT. I think they need a new acronym. Mm-hmm. They need to work on that. It does sound like something out of a classifieds page, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> so anyway, the Northern Hemisphere season kicked off at Punta Gale. Punta Gale? Galia. Punta Galia in northern Spain. Sorry for my pronunciation. Um, and that was a pretty amazing event. Actually, it's interesting because if you watch the waves from the event... They don't look that death-defying when you compare them mm. to things like the right in Australia and, you know, Chopu and, and even Mavericks yeah. and, and some of the paddling sessions at Jaws. But if you go online and you watch the uh, the wipeout video, I think if you just type in uh, Punta Galea Carnage Wipeout Reel into YouTube, mm-hmm. you'll see all of the guys getting cleaned up. And I think the real thing about that spot is that it's so hard to be in the right place. And when you put yourself in the right place to catch a wave and you don't get it, you're very lightly going to put yourself in a position where you're going to have other waves just cleaning you up. There weren't a ton of heavy wipeouts at the event. There were one or two pretty gnarly ones, but there were a huge number where people were just getting run over by 40-foot walls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really incredible. Huge hats off to Nick Lamb, who won the event, and also to uh, Naxdo Gonzalez, who was in the, was one of the semi-finals, got an amazing 10-point ride. Again, I, just watching the positioning when he takes off on that thing was incredible. It was really cool seeing Patrick Gadowskis in there as well. He got a 927 in one of the semis, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, we always knew he was a big wave rider. I don't know if you remember, but his performance on that huge day at Cloudbreak yeah. was incredible. Um, it was cool as well seeing him take off on, on his 927. And then as he came out to the shoulder, he starts putting in cutbacks, you know, yeah. with his like mentality, his CT contest mentality in there. Yeah. Makua Kai Rothman got two nines in the final, but... Uh, Nick but Lamb ended up with a nine and a ten in the final, so yeah, uh, yeah just phenomenal. Yeah, it was really, really cool to see. Uh, hats off to Pete Mel, who was at Pipeline, and then he just whipped over to Spain, commentated the whole of that event, whipped back over to, uh, whipped back over to Pipeline. I think Pete Mel, just as a little aside, is doing a really, really good job. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the better commentators, isn't he? Yeah, I caught up with him very briefly in France, and just had a, we had a quick chat on the beach, and really, really nice guy too. Mm. Other, that same swell also hit Nazare in Portugal, mm-hmm. uh, where there wasn't an event happening, but uh, Andrew Cotton, Ross Clark-Jones, Garrett McNamara, Benjamin Sanchez, along with a handful of European surfers, including Sebastian Stuntner, were out there getting um, some just incredible waves. There was also a swell that hit Piahi, and if you go onto the ASP World Tour website, 
there's one of the sections they've got up on the homepage at the moment is sort of big waves that happen this week. It shows some of the waves at Nazare and also at Piahi. And Shane Dorian was paddling into some big waves at Jaws and getting really barreled, and it was amazing. But then if you compare them just size-wise to the waves at Nazare, it was not even close. Yeah. I mean, the faces on some of these waves at Nazare were like nothing I've ever seen. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's, it's wonderful having that sense of perspective because they, those pulled-back shots where you've got that sort of lighthouse castle thing in the foreground, it, it's such a picturesque spot. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, there was one of the other local surfers called uh, uh, Hugo Vore, who's a really interesting guy. He's a Portuguese fisherman who lives out in the Azores. And, uh, and he just started surfing at Nazare when he was jet skiing for Garrett McNamara a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, now at 35, he's just got his first sponsor, which is kind of cool. And, um, but anyway, he was out there and he, he was just talking about Nazare. He said something interesting that when you're taking off at Nazare, that's not the critical bit like it is with a lot of big waves. Mm-hmm. It's more where you finish because it's essentially a big beach break. Yeah. And the bit that really gets your heart going, he said, was when you're getting to the end of the ride and you're thinking, OK, well, where am I going to run out of speed and what's yeah. coming next? And, and, and is my driver there to pick me up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, very exciting. One thing I didn't mention earlier on when I was talking about Piaje is I wanted to give a little nod to Kiala Kennelly, who was out paddling into Jaws as well, which is amazing, and also to Paige Alms who mm-hmm. caught a bomb out at Jaws and paddled into it. I've noticed that everyone started calling it Piahi again rather than Jaws. It's kind of like it's the, calling it Jaws has slightly gone out of fashion. Yeah, it's an interesting I wonder idea. if that was because it was kind of Laird and his crew who came up with the name and then they were a bit dismissive about the whole paddle thing and now everyone's kind of going back to the original Hawaiian name. Yeah, anyway, possibly, I'm just speculating. I've got no idea. Yeah. Shane Dorian has now got so many waves at Piahi where he's paddled in and got battled, battled at Jaws <laughs> that his... Uh, entries for the the XXL award are just now called Shane Dorian 1, 2, 3, 4. Anyway, the one that went up from this week was Shane Dorian 7. And uh, I mean, he just, he makes it look so easy. He did say actually that when he was out there, he was out there for seven hours and he paddled into three waves. Wow. One of which was one of the worst wipeouts he's had out there. I mean, and I just think that that's quite a good thing to have, you know, as a sense of... Uh, I don't know, context and perspective about what those guys are doing out there when they're paddling into those waves. Yeah. You don't really get that sense of the time and the nerves and the positioning when you just watch those YouTube clips. Well, this is it. The YouTube clip is an entire day edited down to two minutes, isn't it? And uh, you realise just how much time and energy goes into those waves. I think that of all of those guys, I, I still have to take my hat off to Shane Dorian. When I grow up, I definitely want to be a Shane Dorian. Okay, so each week we've been having a little roundup of the contest scene just so you guys know what to keep an eye on and, and what you might want to be watching. Obviously, we're in the middle of the waiting period for Pipeline. They've just finished round two and are waiting to start round three. The waiting period goes until the 20th of December and it looks like there is a, a reasonable swell coming out in the north-northwest for the 18th and 19th. So hopefully that'll, that'll finish with some good conditions. Just to bring everyone up to date, all of those title contenders are still in it. Uh, when we go, when they do start running it next, the first heat up is going to be John John against Adam Melling. And then later on, in that's the first heat of round three. And then later on, Gabriel Medina's coming up in heat six. And then Mick Fanning in heat nine and, and Slater in heat 12. And like at this stage, all of those guys have to win all of those heats. So it's pretty simple. We've also had, since the last programme, the Vans World Cup of Surfing at Sunset was halfway through last time round. Uh, that finished with Michelle Berez very convincingly taking the final. 
with a couple of high scores. But the, the real big story for that event was uh, Dusty Payne re-qualifying for the World Tour again by making it through. I'm so happy that Dusty Payne's going to be back on the tour next year. He's like he's come back as big grown-up man Dusty Payne with big man turns, big manly beard. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 he's going to be a good inclusion as well. And then obviously a little controversy from uh, last week's episode, the Longboard World Championships in uh, China. Um, Asher was making some pretty big calls. He was making some big calls. Asher was making claims that he would be able to definitely take a few heats should he enter the Longboard World Championships. He might have said he could take the whole contest, didn't he? No, I think, I think, to be fair to him, I think he just said he'd take a couple of heats. But I was thinking about that, and actually it's an interesting one that probably are most of the best longboarders in the world don't compete. Yeah, you think, sure of, you think of all the, the, the real top-name longboarders, there's, there's none of them really. Ha- Harrison Roach wasn't in there, for example. I did an interview with Harrison. Well, actually, Asha and I did an interview with Harrison Roach for Surf Symphony magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I'll, I'll talk more about that next episode, I think, because he's a super interesting guy. But, yeah. you know, he wasn't there, and, and there was countless others. Yeah. So anyway, the, the, um, the men's event was won by Harley Ingleby. So he was also the event director? Yeah, slightly suspicious there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he won that. I think the, the, the ride of the event really, though, went to uh, Antoine I'm, Del Perro. So Antoine Del Perro from France, and I apologise to my French girlfriend who will roll her eyes uh, at my pronunciation of that. Yeah, I think she will. But yeah, his, uh, his 10-point ride, and I think there hasn't been a ton of footage from this event, which I suspect might be down to broadcasting live feed information from mainland China. Yeah, China, they're not a big fan of data. They're not, they're not. Um, but <laughs> Isn't it called the Great Firewall of China? Something like that, yeah. Uh, but anyway, th- there has been some footage coming out, and, and a lot of it has been this spectacular drone footage. And uh, his wave was by far and away the best. Yeah, actually, it's worth Googling. If you type into YouTube, um, 10-point drone, China, longboard, ASP, any combination of that, and uh, yeah, you'll get the... There's just this little one-minute one movie up there where you know he's going right to the nose, he's doing some beautiful cutbacks. The waves that they got were beautiful. It was yeah, sort of big... shoulder-high, offshore, perfect longboarding waves, this nice long left point break. The sun was out. I mean, that's the first really good footage I've seen of surfing in China, knowingly. And yeah, I mean, it looked awesome. Yeah, it did. It looked fantastic. Uh, the women's event was won by Chelsea Williams uh, from Australia um, with Kila Muniz. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, uh, taking second place. Now, the interesting thing is that all four of the previous World Championship finals have been between those two girls, and they're now two apiece. So I imagine that the world of women's longboarding is even more small than the world of men's longboarding, which is already pretty small. Yeah, quite possibly. So the other thing we're going to do every week is a little forecast roundup, just so that you guys know whether there's any waves coming your way and whether there's any spots to keep an eye on for good photos and good movie edits. This week we've got quite a lot of activity. The Southern Hemisphere is mostly quiet, but coming up around Christmas time we've got a little uh, little low pressure system off South Africa, which is going to push a really nice long period swell into Indonesia and Western Australia for New Year's. There is a good storm, another good storm coming through in Europe that looks like it's going to push some swell through Spain and Portugal around Christmas time. And again, Morocco is looking very tasty for uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. It's going to be a Merry Christmas all over. It's going to be a Merry Christmas all over because we've also got two back-to-back swells in the North Pacific. There's a typhoon forming off Japan as well as uh, a storm off the Aleutian Islands. And that's going to send two good long-period swells running all the way down the west coast of the Americas. 
it's looking like Mexico could be a really good place for a little trip over the Christmas holidays. Each episode I like to finish with a quote and this week rather than reading out a quote I thought I would just play you what Jerry Lopez had to say at the end of the Surfer Poll Awards. He's, uh, I'm a big Jerry Lopez fan. He talks about the Dalai Lama a little bit. You're a big Jerry Lopez fan. You're not normally a Dalai Lama fan. I've got mixed feelings about the Dalai Lama, mostly because I've got a lot of yogi friends who post pictures of sunsets with Dalai Lama quotes over the top on Facebook, and for a while it just filled up my whole feed. <laughs> just all my Facebook friends, you, you get blocked if you post a lot of Dalai Lama quotes. And uh, Anyway, before we go over to, to Jerry, thanks for, for listening to us again this week, everyone, and uh, cheerio. Cheerio. kind of wanted to... End this wonderful evening we've spent together with uh, just a little, not my wisdom, but the wisdom of someone I greatly respect, uh, His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. He was once asked what surprised him most about mankind, and he answered, man, because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. And then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. And he's so anxious about the future that he's not able to enjoy the present. The result being, he does not live in either the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die, and then dies having never really lived. And I think the message here is that life is for living and there certainly isn't any denying that uh, the number one and number two guys have really shown us how to live almost every moment of their lives to the fullest potential. We have such a rich history of surfing even though it hasn't been that long and such a great host of just wonderful characters. So thank you all for coming, and see you next year. That was the Surf Simply podcast from the Surf Simply Coaching Resort in Costa Rica. For more about Surf Simply's video coaching courses for experienced surfers and technical coaching for entry-level surfers, go to surfsimply.com.